امين والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا وشفيعنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين ومن تبعهم باحسان الى يوم الدين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي بعد respected elders dear brothers and sisters my young friends assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh imagine a person walking with a heavy load this is a person who is trying to carry heavy bags a heavy suitcase a heavy piece of furniture and they keep falling they try to hold it this way they try to hold it that way like this they maneuver it different ways they put it on their back but they keep falling and they're not able to manage the load they're not able to move forward they are clearly struggling with the weight of their load or imagine someone who is injured they have a cast a broken leg and they're walking with crutches when we see someone who is struggling visibly physically in such situations most of us would help out and offer a helping hand somebody who is struggling to get into their car not able to load their groceries so we would offer a helping hand which of course is would be the right thing to do Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said whoever removes a worldly hardship from a believer Allah will remove one of the hardships of the day of resurrection from them whoever grants respite to a person in debt who is in difficulty whoever grants respite to a person in financial difficulty Allah will grant them relief in this world and in the hereafter whoever conceals the fault of a muslim the weakness of a of a muslim in this world allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will conceal their faults in this world and in the hereafter allah will help a person so long as they are helping their brother or of course their sister I need to point out that the concealing of faults is when it does not have to do with the rights of others. If it is a matter that is personal that is not affecting others, a person has committed a sin, they had a mistake, they made a mistake, they have a weakness that we should not expose. With the exception that if it has to do with the rights of others, if someone has been wronged or if we know that someone is about to be wronged, or about to be hurt someone is about to have their rights infringed upon then we have a responsibility to actually not hide that so that we can protect and restore the rights of people but generally when we know about the faults of others we should try to hide them because if we do that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will conceal our faults in this world and in the hereafter So the point was my brothers and sisters that removing of difficulties 
and hardships of others is something that we are taught to do. And I trust that most of us will step forward and do step forward, mashaAllah, to help out whenever we become aware of a need of a person, especially if they are right in front of us and the need is visible. However, sadly, there are many people who fall and who struggle or who are injured in ways that we cannot see. There are many people who struggle, who are injured. They, are, they have difficulties, but in ways that we are not able to see. So perhaps they have experienced oppression or injustice or horrible acts of violence and war lived through tremendous difficulties that have left them traumatized. They are facing the effects of being deprived, of being hurt, of being discriminated against. So these are actions which perhaps happened to them in the past, at some time, in some place, but the effects are being seen now. But the thing is, we often don't see the oppression or the trauma that they have gone through. We just see the effects. So today, my brothers and sisters, let us discuss and reflect upon the responsibility, the virtue in removing distress and grief and sorrow and also in bringing joy to others. Too many times what happens, society judges people based on the effects without realizing or recognizing the context. And perhaps this is one of the reasons that oppression, zulm, has been described as being darkness for the oppressor on the Day of Judgment. From the darknesses of the Day of Judgment is oppression. Perhaps it could be because it, is, it often makes life dark and hopeless for the victims. The oppressor does their oppression, does their injustice, but what effect does it leave on the victims? Right? Especially when those victims are children, when they're innocent and they're young. And they're abused in different ways. Right? Or they do not receive love and care during their childhood from their parents. Maybe because of no fault of the parents. Maybe the parents themselves were oppressed and they were not able to give proper love and care and attention to their children. Or perhaps, you know, the parents were oppressors to their children. And thus the child grows up with this neglect and this abuse and therefore is not able to live and perform in a good way, in a way that we would expect them to. Right? But we don't see that, right? We see the effects. We see a person who is behaving like a criminal. We see a child who is misbehaving. We see a person who doesn't interact with people nicely. We see a person you know, who doesn't talk properly to people. We see a person who is not able to study properly. We see a person who is not able to work properly. 
Many times you see people who are involved, involved in substance abuse and crime. And of course society looks down upon people because those actions are wrong, right? Taking drugs is wrong, it's haram. Right? Substance abuse is wrong. Crimes, of course, are wrong. But it's not because they're necessarily bad people, but it's a consequence of the wrongs that were done to them or the deprivation that they faced as children. Right? So you see a people or you see people who behave a certain way, which you don't like or you look down upon. Perhaps even rightly so. But they may be like that because of what they have gone through. It is a consequence of what they have endured and what they have been subjected to. Sometimes the effects of war, of injustice, of discrimination, and other types of oppression are not only even limited to the people who were directly impacted. Right? So if a person, a, a group of people are impacted, are subjected to oppression or injustice or discrimination, other types of oppression, it's not just they who suffer, but the effects can also pass on to their children because of what they have gone through, because the scars are so deep and what was done to them was so horrible that it, the effects of that pass on to their children as well. And this is referred to as intergenerational trauma. What does it refer to as? Intergenerational trauma. So one generation goes through a trauma and then that trauma passes on to their children. Now as human beings, we naturally tend to judge and make assumptions based on what is apparent to us. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the complete view and absolute complete knowledge. Thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge accordingly and His justice, His judgment will be the most just and the most fair. Right. Yes, as, as human beings, yes, if someone comes to you and asks you, oh, what type of person is this? I'm considering this person for marriage. Or my son or daughter is considering this person for marriage. Or I am considering getting into a business transaction, a deal with this person. What can you tell me about this person? Are they trustworthy or not? Then yes, of course, we go by what is apparent. Right? When we have to make judgments, you're hiring someone. Or someone asks you for a reference. This is a big one, right? I get requests for reference letters and things like that. Right? We have to be honest. We have to be honest. Right? This is what is required of us. So yes, when we are asked for our opinion, for our advice, for our reference, absolutely we have to be truthful. Right? Yes, we want to be helpful perhaps, but we absolutely have to be truthful. So we base that on what is apparent to us. Whatever we see, whatever we observe, we describe in a fair way. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of the things that we are not aware of. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aware of the context that we are not aware of. And thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He will judge people, and when He judges people, meaning in the sight of Allah azza wa jalla, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking into consideration the entire context. Each person could be carrying the burden or effects of something that we do not know or that we cannot see. And perhaps that is why we are even encouraged to bring joy to others. We are encouraged 
not just to remove distress, not just to remove difficulty, not just to help people, but also to bring joy to people. Ibn Umar says that a man came to the Prophet and said, Ya Rasulullah, which of the people is dearest to Allah? And which deeds are dearest to Allah? Which of the people are dearest to Allah and which deeds are dearest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the dearest of people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who does the most benefit to people. The dearest is what? The one who does the most benefit to people. And the dearest of deeds to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is joy that you bring to a Muslim. Is joy, surur, happiness that you bring to a person, to a Muslim. Or relieving them of distress or sorrow. Right? Takshifu anhu kurba. Right? And with kurba we take understand as distress, but also sorrow, grief, something that is causing them to feel gloomy, feel down. So relieving that person of that. So bringing joy to a person, removing or relieving a person of distress or sorrow, paying off a debt for them, or dispelling their hunger. And the Prophet ﷺ goes on to say, and to walk with a brother, to meet his needs, is dearer to me than observing atikaf, seclusion, in this masjid, meaning the masjid of Medina, for a month. Subhanallah. To walk with a brother, to meet his needs, is dearer to me than observing atikaf in this masjid, in Masjid al-Nabawi, for a month. So, my brothers and sisters, it's one thing to remove distress, to pay off a debt, to dispel hunger. Right? These are things where you would need to be aware of. You would need to know that a person is in debt in order to pay off their debt. You would need to be able to know that a person is in distress to remove their distress. You would need to know that a person is hungry in order to remove their hunger. Right? Like you're able to tell somehow that this is a person that appears to be hungry. But even bringing joy to another, bringing happiness to another, unconditionally. Right? He doesn't say bring joy. He didn't say, وسلم, that you know, bringing joy to a person who's in difficulty, bringing joy to a person who's in pain, bringing joy to a person who's in hardship. No, it's unconditional. Bringing joy to another without them being visibly in need is from the dearest of deeds to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. You know, sometimes the brothers and sisters, it's a smile that brings joy to a person who is down. Sometimes it's just a simple, genuine salam, a genuine greeting. Right? Perhaps it's a kind comment for a person who feels like they are dismissed by society, that nobody cares for them, that there's nothing good in them, they have low self-esteem. A kind comment can uplift that person, can give that person hope. Sometimes it's listening to their story of pain and suffering. And I refer to that as the charity of our ears. What do I call it? I call it the charity of our ears. Because you may not be able to practically solve that person's problem or difficulty. 
perhaps they have a problem or difficulty that has no solution, apparent solution, or that you don't know how to solve it. But even having someone who will just listen can help a person through their pain and difficulty. And you make a dua for them. Right? That's why talk therapy is a thing. People just sometimes need to talk to relieve their burden. Right? They know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control. They know that there is no solution to this problem. They know that you're not going to be able to help. But they just need a compassionate ear. Someone who's willing to take a few moments to listen to their story, to listen to what is happening, to listen what has happened, to listen to what has happened. I was listening to the radio yesterday. And of course yesterday was the national day for truth and reconciliation, the first such a day in Canada. And there was an indigenous grandmother who was describing how much joy she felt. She said, there was so much joy in my heart when she saw others, and she referred to white people, others as well, who showed up to show solidarity, who showed up and took and recognized the grave wrongs that had been committed the shameful legacy of residential schools in this country, right, and all the wrongs that have been committed to the indigenous people of this land. Right? Just that recognition, just that people actually cared and showed up and were listening, that was actually part of the healing process. Right? That's why it's called truth and reconciliation. That first, the truth has to become apparent and has to be accepted in order for healing to occur, in order for reconciliation to occur. Right? People say we want peace. Yes, everyone wants peace. But without justice, it's very difficult to have peace. You can't have peace without justice. And part of justice is having the truth recognized and talked about and accepted as the truth. That is the starting point of reconciliation. Abu Layth al-Samarqandi reported that Yahya ibn Mu'adh, rahimahullahu ta'ala, he said, that if you cannot benefit, then do not harm. If you cannot bring joy, then do not bring distress. If you cannot praise, then do not blame. Amah bin Khalid radiallahu anha was born during the first emigration to Abyssinia. She reported. The Prophet ﷺ was given some clothes, including a black khamisa, a black cloak. The Prophet ﷺ said, To whom shall we give this to wear? So the companions kept silent. Maybe they were thinking for my child, for my family, for myself, but they didn't say anything. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Fetch Um Khalid. For me. So she says, I was brought or carried, because she was a small girl at the time, to the Prophet ﷺ, and he took the cloak in his hands and made me wear it. And he said, Abli wakhliqi, may you live so long that your dress will wear you out and you will mend it many times. And this is something he repeated. And she says that on the cloak, there was some green or pale designs and the Prophet ﷺ saw these designs and he said, O oh, Um Khalid, this is Sana. 
And the narrator says that Sanaa is an Ethiopian word meaning beautiful. So you see here, my, uh, my brothers and sisters, a small gesture, a small gift and gesture that made a little girl happy and gave her a lifelong memory. Of course, she's narrating this hadith after she has grown up. She's an older woman. But it's a memorable moment for her. It's a moment of joy, especially coming from the Prophet wasallam. It is said that she kept on to that, held on to that for a very, very long time. And why would she not? Of course, because it was from the Prophet wasallam. So my brothers and sisters, we learn a few things. First of all, let us not judge or try not to judge. Leave judging to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unless you absolutely need to do so. Unless you are being asked, then you go by what is apparent. Otherwise, we leave judging to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And be kind and compassionate and try to remove hardship and relieve burdens in whichever way is possible for us. Right? We may not be capable of removing the distress or the sorrow completely. But in whichever way we are able to do so, let us try to help and contribute in making things better. And even if no hardship is apparent, let us try to bring joy to others. Try to bring joy to others, even if a person doesn't appear to be in difficulty, or if you're not able to figure out whether they are in difficulty or not, try to bring joy to others, even if it's with little things, a good word, a salam, a small gift, a smile. And if we cannot, then at the very least, let us not harm or distress or blame. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us those who bring joy to others. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us those whose presence relieves sorrow and distress from others. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove our sorrows and worries and those of all of our brothers and sisters and faith and humanity. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. We have the sad news of the passing of the uncle of our brothers, Ahmed Tawakkul, Basim Abdul Ainin, and Muhammad Shafi, uh, Dr. Hani Shafi, who passed away in Cairo, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raja'oon. So make dua for him and all of those who have passed away. Allahumma aghfir lahum warhamhum, wa'afihim wa'afu anhum, wa'akrim nuzulahum wa wasi'a matkhanahum, wa'asilhum bilma'i wa thalji wa barad, wa'naqihim minal khataya kama yunaqqa thawb al-abiyad min al-danas, wa'abdilhum daran khayran min darihim, wa'abdilhum ahlan khayran min ahlihim, wa'adakhilhum al-janna, wa'idhum min adhab al-qabri, wa'adhab al-nar. Allahumma ja'al quburahum raudatum mariyad al-janna, ya Rabbil Alameen. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant beautiful patience to all loved ones at this difficult time. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Ya Allah Rabbil Alameen, please cure all of those who are ill. Please grant relief to all of those who are suffering. Ya Allah, our brothers and sisters who are battling cancer and other serious illnesses. O Allah, those who have long-term pain and injuries. O Allah, those who are mentally unwell, those who are emotionally distraught. O Allah, who are living in fear and anxiety. O Allah, please cure them quickly and completely. O Allah, please remove their hardship and grant them relief. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah.